Shalom, shalom. Welcome back to an episode, another episode of Chatting Rabbis. After a week hiatus, we took a little break, regrouped, and we're back. This is Eliezer Zalmanov from Munster, Indiana. Shalom, shalom. Mendy Chetrik from Istanbul, Turkey. So uh, you, were, you were busy the last few weeks, and uh, hopefully things calm down a little bit in Istanbul. And we... So no, things are not calm down. Must say that things are not calm down. Unfortunately, we are still in a very active uh, earthquake zone. They're still uh, shaking. Last night there was another earthquake at 6.4. I don't know. The Welt itself. So what are we talking about today? I think maybe we'll go, we'll go in a completely different direction. Obviously, people want to know about what's happening in Turkey. They can find all that out in the news. And if they want to know specifically about what's happening with you, they can... You first send the donation. I was going to say, last episode, you mentioned the uh, the need for donations. And I'm sure people that are interested in donating will find a way to do that. Reach out to Mendy directly. Um, often on our podcast, we like discussing issues that relate to specific communities or specific uh, areas or specific uh, parts of life. And then there's the crossover things that may only relate to one one group or one community or one sect, but can be interesting for everyone. Those are issues that are uh, halachically related. Obviously, halacha is something that all Jews should be observing, and it's something that everybody should care for. But certain parts and certain areas of halacha relate to some communities more than others. So a topic that was uh, circulating in my inbox and my Twitter feed and other parts of my uh, uh, my viewing uh, habits uh, was the uh, concept of an Eruv. If you don't know what an Eruv is, it can be uh, a little confusing. It can be a little enigmatic. But to make it simple, and uh, Mendy, f- feel free to jump in to correct me if I make any uh, uh, obvious mistakes over here because I'm not very well versed in the laws of Eruv, but I have somewhat of an idea. So there are three types of Eruv. We're going to focus, uh, at least in this conversation, on one of them. And that is that one of the laws of Shabbos on the Sabbath in Jewish law is that we may not carry something, holding it in our pocket, on our person, on our shoulders, and our backs, from either a public domain to a private domain or vice versa, or within a public domain for the distance of four cubits, which is about six feet. And... The, the, the laws of Shabbos are complex. There's an entire tractate in the Talmud discussing the laws of Shabbos. And then there's another tractate of Talmud discussing the laws of Erev, just Erev by itself. And what an Erev accomplishes is that in certain circumstances, not all circumstances, not all situations qualify, but in some situations, a public domain or a quasi-public domain can be transformed into a private domain through a series of steps. There's the behind-the-scenes steps, and then there's the obvious publicly visible steps, and that the latter being a string or a fence or a gate or doorposts around an area, and that functions as an enclosure of sorts, and that makes that public domain into somewhat of a private domain. So many communities, many cities that have large religious Jewish populations create an Eruv so that their outdoors can be treated almost like private property for the, for the purposes of Shabbos. So far, I guess very, very technical. A little bit dry for most people who are uh, very, uh, you know, not, you know, not adverse in these laws. 
But okay, now you want to run into the controversy in Twitter. We're only four minutes into the show. Do you already want to get into the controversy? Ah, no, that's what you're heading to. The controversy is if you should have an Erev in Crown Heights or you shouldn't have an Erev in Crown Heights. Crown Heights is a place where most where Eliezer grew up, where most Lubavitchers visit at least three, twice or three times a year. But most importantly, it is the place where the Rebbe was uh, living for uh, 50-something years. This is the central area of, of, of Lubavitchers, of Hasidim, in New York. It happened to be that uh, when we grew up as little kids, there was no Eruv in Crown Heights. There was no Eruv in Bar Park either at that time, and neither in Williamsburg. People had small Eruvs in around two, three houses. There was an Eruv between uh, my grandfather's house, or our grandfather's house, and Eliezer's house, and uh, Zalmano's residence. Right. People had small Eruvs to carry from the one neighbor to the other. But there was no Eruv to circle the entire Crown Heights. Although, an Eruv in Crown Heights would mean that mothers to little kids could also go to the synagogue on Shabbat. Nevertheless, an Eruv was never constructed in Crown Heights during the Rebbe's lifetime. At that time, there was no Eruv in Borough Park either. I mean, when I was growing up, we, we, we knew that the only places that have an Erev around large areas, around large cities, are, it was in Israel. Outside of Israel, it was very rare. In Israel, and that's basically because in Israel there's the government budget for it, every city, every large city, had, uh, has an Erev. And has, a, has people who are in charge on checking the Erev every single week. They get paid for it. And that is their job. They're Erev people. They're Erev Rav. <laughs> right. <laughs> And there's a rabbi for the Eruv. There are people who go around every city. There's even in Kfar Chabad, in the largest village of Chabad in Israel, there's an Eruv. The Arab gave some money for construction of that Eruv in Kfar Chabad. So there are, um, but when we grew up in Crown Heights, around the Rebbe, there was no Eruv. People before Shabbos check their pockets, make sure they don't have anything inside so they don't, have, they don't carry. Um... Little kids stay at home a whole Shabbos. Young mothers stay home to watch their kids a whole Shabbos. People can't eat by their in-laws, by their parents. Because there is no Eruv. But with the time, time went on. And other neighborhoods in Brooklyn started to build Eruv. I think the first Eruv was in Manhattan. And afterwards in Brooklyn, in Williamsburg, in Bar Park, in Flatbush. Eruvim started to be too popular and there and as as of last in past i don't know five ten years there are people in crown heights who also want to build an air in crown heights not only that want to build an air they built an air in crown heights so the air right now around crown heights and the question is should somebody carry at the air in crown heights what's the reason not to several reasons not to several reasons why you should First of all, there are some halachic reasons why not to. Is the Eruv uh, kosher? Or maybe checked on Friday, is it kosher Shabbos day? Is it possible to build an Eruv in a large city such as Brooklyn? Because an Eruv can be built in a... And I'm not going to get into all the details of the, of the halacha here. 
But the Eruv in general can be built in, in small villages, not in a place that has a large population of a million or two people that walk on the streets and one street leads to another. They all are considered one street and so many people walking on the streets make the uh, more than 600,000 people walking in the street make the Eruv uh, non-kosher, make invalidates the Eruv. Because, right, an Eruv only works for something that is considered a public domain um, rabbinically, not biblically. So the difference in, in Talmudic terms is Midirais or Midirabanan. Because uh, Midirabanan, rabbinically, a public domain that does not have 600,000 people walking through it daily is considered a Carmelis, which is the technical term. And the rabbis instituted that a Carmelis should be treated as a public domain. With the exception, again, another rabbinic law, with the exception of when an Erev is, is placed in the, around the Carmelis and that then returns it or includes it in the, uh, or precludes it from the designation of being a Rishus Arabim, a public domain, and it can be treated as a private domain. But it would not apply to something that is clearly 100% a public domain if you know for sure that there are 600,000 people that pass through it, or potentially 600,000 people that pass through it regularly. So the issue is whether an, a large area like Brooklyn or Manhattan or places that have you know an urban area with very condensed urban living that... Uh, could very likely have 600,000 people walking walking and passing through it regularly. Can an Erev work in that area? So this is the halachic question. Um, why? Sh- and so this did two concerns. Maybe the Erev became puzzled. Maybe the Erev became invalid during Shabbos. And whether an Erev is at all possible to be constructed in such in such a city. However, um, on the other hand, there's a reason why yes to carry in the Erev. Because after all, constructing an Eruv is a mitzvah. There's a commandment. It's a mitzvah. It's a mitzvah in the Rabbanan. A misconception that people have is that, a, that an Eruv is a loophole. An Eruv is not a loophole. An Eruv is a halachic construct. And like I said before, there's an entire tractate in the Talmud discussing how to make an Eruv and how to properly apply this rabbinic mitzvah of transforming a Carmelis into a private domain. So if somebody comes and says, I don't carry when there is an Eruv, it is like somebody who says, I don't wash my hands before eating bread. Or I don't like Shabbos candles. I don't like sh- light Shabbos candles. Or I don't eat Cholent on Shabbos. No, eat Cholent on Shabbos is okay. Eat Cholent on Shabbos is okay. You don't have to eat Cholent on Shabbos. There's no mitzvah to eat Cholent on Shabbos. But there is a mitzvah, it's a mitzvah de to light Shabbos candles. And there's a mitzvah to have an Eruv. Yes, let's make a bracha on it. Okay, there's a difference between a mitzvah of lighting Shabbos candles, which is a mitzvah that you have to do, a mitzvah of doing Eruv, a mitzvah that you can do. But if there is an Eruv, and a person says, I don't want to, to carry at the Eruv, this is a uh, issue of Enoi Moideh Be'eruvim. It's that uh, either somebody who does not agree to the ability of our sages to const- to issue the decree of uh, constructing Eruv, which we make a bracha on. So this is, uh, for me, this is, uh, at least in my view of halacha, this is, this is, seems a quite a harsh uh, reason why yes to carry an Eruv. But in, in Quran Heights, there is a, there's another, another part to it. There's also um, how to make the Eruv, how is the Eruv done. There are various opinions, whether Eruv can be done in a city, if there, there's gardens in the city, how, how far should the poles be between each other. Can Eruvim be done in large cities? We know that pr- prior to the Second World War, 
prior to the Holocaust, there was an Erev in Warsaw. It wasn't such a great Erev, but most people carried there. There are various opinions on how to build Erev. This is a difference. Somebody says, I don't carry in this Erev because it doesn't follow opinion X, Y, and Z. Or saying, I don't carry it Erev at all. But here for Lubavitchers, the, for Chabad Hasidim, there is another added uh, dimension here. And sometimes, for good or bad, sometimes this carries more weight for Chabad Hasidim than it carries to other people, is, well, was the Rebbe supported, uh, supportive of building an Eruv? Nobody doubts... Specifically it, in Crown Heights, because cause in other places, like you said, the Rebbe did, did, did encourage and support it. Yes and no, because there are some conflicting letters from the Rebbe. There are some letters that the Rebbe wrote to the community in Melbourne. It says, Yodua Daiti, my opinion, is well known that I'm against building a Rubim. Why? So, but everybody agrees, and nobody disagrees, that there was no Eruv in Crown Heights during the Rebbe's lifetime. And I also believe that everybody can assume that should the Rebbe have wanted an Eruv to be built in Crown Heights, he would have built one. Or he would have told somebody to do that. The logic of not having an Erev in Crown Heights, and this is attributed to the Rebbe, and I, I don't remember seeing it written anywhere specifically, but the logic of not having it is that if someone lives in a place that does have an Erev and then visits a place that does not have an Erev on Shabbos, they will assume that an Erev is just there because they're so used to it. That's how they grew up. That's how they live their lives. And they will come to violate Shabbos, God forbid, because of... Uh, because of what they're used to. They used to care. However, today this argument works the other way around. When most religious areas do have Eruvim, and Quran Heights stands as one that does not, it causes people to carry in Quran Heights. Because they assume that it's just like everywhere else. Exactly. So that is what that is why what happens very often, especially when there are Israelis who come to Quran Heights, um, never mind people who live in Bar Park or Williamsburg who carry at the Eruv, and they come to Kornheitz and they carry in the street thinking that there is an Eruv. Today they don't have a problem with doing that because there is actually an Eruv in Kornheitz. Right. Whether it's a kosher according to all opinions, halachically, that's a different discussion which we said we're not going to get into. But yes, today there is an Eruv in Kornheitz that uh, most people that live in the neighborhood don't use, but it's there for those that choose to use it. So there is an Eruv in Kornheitz. Most people, however, in Korn, living in Kornheitz today uh, do, chose, choose not to build an Eruv. And there are some people who are very, uh, and this has become a real vocal um, argument and discussion between scholars, between rabbis, between lay people. People should carry a Deirov, shouldn't carry a Deirov, should have a Deirov, shouldn't have a Deirov. Did the Rebbe support the Deirov or the Rebbe did not support the Deirov? Which that seems to be the most important discussion amongst people. Now, I will add two more points to this discussion. First of all, one of them that I heard myself from my grandfather. My grandfather wanted to build an Erev in Crown Heights. I, I think he was at that time when he wanted to build an Erev in Crown Heights. My grandmother was, had the little kids. And my grandmother, our grandmother, Safta, is a very, very religious lady. She always davened. She prays every morning. She says a lot of Tehillim. Very, very religious. It went for many, many years that she was extremely... Uh, very, very meticulous to, to, to Davin. She had her seat for years uh, in Crown High in 770. She would be there every uh, morning for every, every Shabbos for Davening. And she had little kids at home and she really wanted to go to shul. And uh, my grandfather asked the Rebbe to build a, a room in Crown Heights so my grandmother could go to shul with her kids. And 
the Rebbe told my grandfather, that, that is what I heard from my grandfather several times, the Rebbe told him that he should not build the Nehru of Enkoran Heights unless it's going to be hidden. In other words, the Rebbe told my grandfather, make an Eruv, but don't tell people that there is an Eruv. You make an Eruv so people who carry shouldn't uh, transgress the biblical commandment of carrying an Eruv, carrying without an Eruv. In a public domain. That would pretty much defeat the purpose, though, because... And that is exactly why my grandfather <laughs> did not build an Eruv, because his point was not in, was not like the Rebbe's point was to, to save people from transgressing a biblical commandment of carrying in public domain. He wanted my grandmother to go to, the, to go to shul. Or actually, she wanted to go to shul. I'm not sure how much he really cared if she went or not. So I've, 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 heard, I've heard this story. I uh, never heard it directly from Zayda. I never heard it from our grandfather himself. And recently, I've been getting a lot of calls from people who are researching the subject. And I guess people have heard, either from you or from others, that, uh, that Zayda had this story with the Rebbe, where the Rebbe told him that it should be hidden and it shouldn't be an obvious heir of Grand Heights, for the reasons that we said earlier. Um, but uh, I never heard it directly. So I, I was never able to confirm or deny that this, that this actually happened. And uh, and I again even if it were even if, even if it was true even if the story that as you're saying it is correct and accurate it still is not 100% an indication that neighborhoods shouldn't have an erev of course. We, we discussed this a few episodes ago, where halacha has to uh, evolve. Obviously, halacha doesn't change, but the application of halacha evolves based on the circumstances. So the example that you gave before is that if people who are are, are, are used to having an air in their communities and come to Crown Heights and are not familiar with the uh, with the local sensitivities or with the local politics and assume that every religious community, every from community has an air then why is Crown Heights, why would Crown Heights be any different than just make an assumption? You're right. So perhaps so, I'm, I'm not I'm not I'm not a Pesach, I'm not a halachic uh, decisor or authority, but I'm saying that perhaps this this concept has evolved over time. I I tend to agree with you, and although. Um, my grandmother, a couple of years ago, when she was, uh, you know, a little bit better, and I told her that there is discussion about building an Erev in Kran Heights, and she, her response was, if they're going to build an Erev in Kran Heights, I'm moving out of Kran Heights. The irony is that she, anywhere she would move to probably already has an Erev. Right, but her, but that was her reaction, that if they're going to build an Erev in Kran Heights, it was after my grandfather already passed away. And she said, if they're going to be, build an Erev in Kran Heights, I'm going to move out of Kran Heights. Why? Because the Rebbe told us not to build an Eruv. So uh, she was there when the Rebbe said not to make an Eruv. So it was in right. her... In her and, that, and, that's, and that's fine, you know, to, to have that level of commitment to an ideal because it's something that you truly believe in, because the Rebbe told you, and because that's how you uh, always believe. For me, There's nothing for wrong me with... that was, a, that was uh, another confirmation for what I, what I heard from my grandfather. Because I heard it independently from my grandmother. After my right. grandfather has already right. passed away, and her reaction to this is it was even much more than, uh, you know, my grandfather was, would uh, sometimes speak about uh, an idea. He would also say, "Well, I think that we should have had an Eruv." Really, <laughs> that's how my grandfather right. would say. Okay, you know, the Rebbe told him not to, so he didn't. But his in his idea was yes, an Eruv should be built, should should have been built. But uh, my grandmother's reaction, well, the Rebbe told us no, so I'm going to move out of Kranites if there's going to be an Eruv. About, uh, about 15 years ago, my brother got married in Los Angeles, and uh, we stayed there for Shabbos Shavabrachas. So in advance of our trip there, I made some inquiries, made some phone calls uh, to friends that either lived there or that uh, li or knew or were familiar with the area to find out what the status of the Eruv there is. Not for myself, but we had a newborn baby then, who was a month or two and where we were staying was not near where the Shavabrachas was, so we would have to walk. And if 
there is no Erev or no Erev that we could use, then my wife would be stuck at, uh, at, our, at our host's house and not be able to attend the Sheva Brachas. So I made some phone calls and I asked around, and everybody told me uh, simply that the uh, community that we were staying in has an Erev. Not everybody abides by it. In other words, it's there, it's kosher according to some opinions, but not according to others. Generally, the Lubavitcher community does not carry, does not use the Erev. And my next question was, what will happen if we're walking down the street and my wife is pushing a stroller and Lubavitchers see us carrying? Will that be a Chilol Hashem? Will people assume that uh, the Erev is, is kosher according to all opinions? And the answer that I got at the time, and again, I'm not giving any halachic rulings over here, is, is that it's okay for your wife to push the stroller. You're not a local, you're visiting, and, for the, reason, and the reason that you're using the Erev is because of uh, uh, Shalom bias for, uh, in order to be able to attend the, uh, the family Simcha. So that was an, an interesting uh, perspective. Um, other, other cities that I've been to, uh, Indianapolis, for example, uh, where my in-laws live, has an area of around the from community. There's a, sh- a couple of shuls and there's a school all within an area. And because its construction does not conform 100% with the way that the Alter Rebbe prescribes, my father-in-law generally does not use the Erev. But he does not uh, tell others not to use the Erev. In fact, every once in a while he needs something brought from his house to the shul and he'll ask someone else, another religious Jew who does use the Erev, to carry it for him, whether it's to push a stroller or to, uh, or to bring a box or to bring a book or whatever. And he once uh, asked someone in Shul if he can walk over to his house to pick something up to bring it to Shul. And that person became very, was very offended. He says, what am I, your Shabbos guy? Either you use the Erev and carry it yourself, or don't use the Erev and don't ask me to use it for you. All right, so my, my father-in-law also does not carry in the Erev. He lives in Miami, even though his neighbor, Rabbi Block, is the one who is responsible on the Erev and the one who checks the Erev uh, every Friday to make sure that they are perfectly kosher. It is also uh, quite obvious that there were cities where the Lubavitch Rebbe's uh, lived in Lubavitch. There was an Eruv, most probably, according to most most researchers. Um, in uh, in other cities, uh, there in Liadi, there was an Eruv that definitely has brought down in the safe in the memory memories of the previous Lubavitch Rebbe. There were Eruvim were quite relevant, but these we're talking about small little villages, but. Um, in Crown Heights, the Rebbe did not allow, did not allow, did not have an Erev. The Rebbe also wrote several letters to places in, in which he expressed that Yadu Adaiti, his, his opinion is known, that should not make Erev in big cities. However, as, as you said, and as we said before, the times have changed. Whether we like it or we don't like it, times change. And now, um, we not only times change, people's attitudes change. Also because... Um, people are no longer as committed as they were when we grew up. People today want to go out. Young women with families are not going to be locked up in their houses uh, during the long Shabbosim of uh, April, May and April. And that's why they want to have uh, they want to have an area where they can carry their kids. Kids want to go outside, play ball, whatever it is. And we are not at the same time, not the same generation. Attitudes change, and it is important to get to get into terms with it. And the question is whether the rabbis who want to be um, who want to make sure that the eruv is done in the best way should be involved in making the eruv to the best of their abilities in order to answer to that. I remember there was once a um, uh, there was once a certain shul in our neighborhood. And not in Turkey, in one neighborhood where I grew up, 
I don't want to mention which shul, but there was a shul, and um, we went to, we went to, I, me and my brother went to pray in that shul, and my father said, it's such a great thing that this shul exists, it's a great thing, it's great that you went, that you gave the encouragement for the shul to happen. The next day, my father in, gave a public speech in shul, in the shul where he davened, so against that shul. I said, you told me, me and my brother, it was a great thing we went and we encouraged the shul. And now you are speaking against it. My father said, it's two separate things. That shul that you went to should be open because if that shul, that interesting minion that was there or whatever, they had these songs and, and music or whatever, is important because if you wouldn't have, um, if you wouldn't have that shul, the people who go to that shul would otherwise never go to shul. They just stay at home. So you should have a shul that will be a little bit more interesting. It started davening a little bit late. It'll be a little bit more modern, more songs. That it's great to have. On the other hand, it is also I see myself and my responsibility as a shliach to sometimes make a uh, make an announcement to make sure that people shouldn't think that this is the norm of the shul. A Lubavitch shul has a certain norms. Okay, what can you do? That today not everybody wants to comply by these norms, and for them you have to have a shul that starts instead of a ten, starts at twelve, and instead of davening is a, be a little bit shortened, or have some more songs, whatever different things to, that in order to to answer to the needs of those who want. And I think that's why the argument in Kwan Heights is very important. On one hand, it's quite clear that the Rebbe did not want to have. A, a, an Erev in Kran Heights. And it's important to keep that fort of people who come and say, the Rebbe said no Erev, and that's why no Erev. On the other hand, you also have to have the other side of uh, people to realize that times have changed. People. So you're saying changed. the controversy itself is a good thing. The because controversy it... itself is a good thing, but we do definitely do need to have... Um, more serious rabbis being involved in making the Eruv should be in according to most opinions. And even though, I definitely think that the Rebbe was against Eruv. There's no point in convincing people that the Rebbe was for the Eruv because this is just changing the reality. And it's not true. It's not honest. That if the Rebbe really wanted the Eruv in Kronites, he could have built one. He, Those who asked him, we're told not to. We knew as kids, whether you heard it from Mazayde or not, whether you heard it from your grandfather or not, we knew as kids that the Rebbe doesn't want an Eruv. That was known to every person, and every honest person in this discussion knows that. Every honest person who was honest to himself also knows that today you need to have an Eruv in Crown Heights, because today there are people who would carry with an Eruv or without an Eruv. So better there should be an Eruv. Right. And it should come along with the education. Like you said, the controversy has to exist. In other words, don't uh, whitewash history. Don't change the facts. And uh, even if halacha does, or the application of halacha evolves, know that there are certain circumstances where it should not be applied. And like we said before, an Erev is not a loophole. An Erev is part of halacha. And uh, when properly applied in the right circumstances and under the right conditions, and then, then it's a good thing. But uh, yeah, God willing, uh, like you said, the controversy should uh, should exist, but everybody should still get along, which is uh, what we what we love doing, right? We love uh, ending on a good note. Good Shabbos. <laughs> good Shabbos. Whether you carry the in the or not. Right. All right. Very good. I'll see you, Mendy. Stay safe. Take care and all the best.